practices written on it. I've, I've seen how it applies in so many different ways. In Hebrew, uh, there is, well, really, there's two words for their word, what we would call concept. It's the word idea. So you have idea and concept, and they're one word in the Hebrew, but the way they see it is a little bit different than what we have. But concepts have a lot of, of, of an array of meaning and understanding, especially, for example, if I was to say to you, think about a chair. Every one of you would have a different picture of different chairs based on your background, where you come from, your experiences. So it's, it's, it's something that has to do with, I'm not going to get into all that stuff. I want to teach you this morning, and I want to preach a little bit too. So what I'm getting in here today is to, about today is talk to you, talk to us, talk to me, myself. I do talk to myself from time to time. Scares myself when I answer it, of course. But what I'm saying here is there are aspects that we, we need to be confronted with, I believe, and that are very vivid to us within Scripture. And to take us from just a place of concept. Concept needs to be confronted because there are a lot of believers who are not living from a relationship. They're living from a concept. So they have an idea. And they live according to that idea. But that idea doesn't work for them. And it just seems like everything begins to you know, fall apart and get messed up. Well, there's a reason for that. So what we're going to do today is we're going to lay a simple foundation from the scripture and take a look at an event that takes place in the city called Samaria. When you get into the book of Acts and it comes to this particular portion, you're going to remember that, <coughs> excuse me, in Acts, after the day of Pentecost and, and, and people are being saved all over the place, People start selling everything, and they bring all the money in, and, and then as a big community, they, they, they live off of all those funds that have come in, right? Well, you know, that's, that's okay to a degree until the money runs out. Then, then what are you going to do? The interesting thing about that, and you can get mad at me later, but nowhere does it show me that God ever told them to do that. So they did it on their own, and that's why Jerusalem would become, in through Scripture, and Paul, that's why he's doing his third missionary journey on top of it, the poorest church in the then known world. So you take that to another level, and remember what's happening is that as they're, they're come together, and they're living together, they're serving, there's, there's a serving that's going on, there's a, the, the, the apostles are being pulled out, they're, they're doing too much, so they put together this board. And they're to become servers. And they're to serve those people who will be at tables and a few other odds and ends. Seven men full of the Holy Spirit. You remember the one was Stephen. And Stephen ends up in the debate, and I believe the debate was with Paul, to be honest with you, or then Saul. And, and from there, uh, just for the church, all hell breaks loose. And they pull Stephen out, and they will bring him before an absolute mock trial, and then stone him to death. 
And while that stoning is taking place, take a look at it in verse 1. It says that now Saul was consenting to his death. Saul, or will become later Paul, is, is, is on this scene. And, and, and look at what it goes on to say there. And this is key to understand. At that time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem. Specifically, note that. The church which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. Always found that one interesting, except the apostles. They're all scattered but them, but I'll get into that another time. That's, that's, that's for another time. But let me just say this right here, okay? A great persecution arose. That don't mean they were calling each other by names. We're talking about a great persecution. This means a lot of suffering, a lot of bloodshed, a lot of things that are just, and they're scattered to the point where they have to leave their homes, where they're taking off to different areas and regions of Judea and Samaria. And, and as I say this, I want us to remember that what things look like to us are not as they seem to be. God is at work whether we see it or not in the situation you're in, whether it's good or horrific. I'll say it again. It looks like God's giving up or God's not real or God's not doing it. I got news for you, friend. God's there. And, 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 and things aren't as they seem to be because he is there. And for them who believe, oh, I'm going to get ahead of myself. Take a look at verse 4 here. It says, Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. <clears throat> you remember in Acts chapter 1 what Jesus told them that they were to do? They were to go where? Into all the world and preach the gospel. Preach it where? In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the utter ends of the earth. Did they do that? No. That's when they settled down. That's when they were doing all their things. So how many know that, you know, God has a way of doing He's involved in this thing happening. And maybe we think that it's all falling apart, all, all that's coming. But God said, hey, it's time to be witness to me. It's time to be witnesses to me to the ends of the earth. So what you have in verse 4 there is that those who were scattered went everywhere doing what? Preaching the word, yes, which is what God's heart, God's will was all about to begin with. Okay, take, take, take a look at the result here. It says, then Vil says Villa. Who's Villa? <laughs> oh, something in just a minute here. I'm just uh, And then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. Whoa. I hope you're getting this. Because the reality of this is 
he goes down into Samaria and some powerful things begin to happen. There are healings. There are miracles. There are deliverances that are being wrought. I mean, as, as Philip shares this word, the good news of Jesus Christ, the resurrected Savior, that he is alive, they begin to see the power and the demonstration of the word. And the result of that is found in verse 8. It says, and there was great joy in that city. There was great joy in that city. Man, I could preach a message on just that little verse itself. But I want you to grab the atmosphere and what, take, what is taking place. Because there comes along then, at that time, a man by the name of Simon. Simon. He was this guy that was a Samaritan. Simon Magnus is his full name. And, and, and he practiced sorcery. And, 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 and as a result, he did a lot of neat things. I mean, he was doing things in front of people, and they're going, ooh, ooh, ah, 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 ooh, ooh, ooh. I don't know why it just feels so good right now. Ooh, ah, ah. But, but the point is that as Simon is doing these things, they end up, you know, he, he claims to be someone great. I'm Simon Magnus. And, and the people believe them. They end up calling him the great power of God. He must be doing some pretty interesting things to be called the great power of God. Now, remember where you're at here. You're in Samaria. And in case you don't know your history lesson on Samaria, this is where the tribes Manasseh and Ephraim are, had, had settled. And then you remember as they're there, you got you know these, these 12 tribes and, and the half tribe Manasseh and, and Ephraim, and, and then there comes this thing with the son of Solomon, and, and, and they split. Judah and Benjamin go one place, or they, they take their, their part, and then you've got the other ten tribes that are called Israel. You've got Judah and Israel, so there's that separation. Benjamin sort of gets swept into that. Now, you remember that Israel set up, they didn't have one good king, they had self-proclaimed priests. It was a mess is what it was. And, and so as time goes on, they'll set up places in Dan and Samaria for the worship instead of the people going down to Israel, which they were doing because they were going down in Jerusalem to, to praise and to worship and come to the temple. So, you know, King Israel's going, no, 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 no. And, and the sixth king that would come along and again, these kings were changing hands, families, and everything else. The sixth king, his name is Omri. Sixth king named Omri. He would have a son whose name would be Ahab, if you want to give a, get an idea of who he was. Omni founded Samaria as the capital of Israel. And it's where Ahab is going to build his temple to Baal. Now, saying that, they had this mixed theology. It was, oh, man. Not only are they dealing with, with interracial marriages and stuff, but as far as their bloodline for, for, for Israel was concerned and the purity of it th at that time, which uh, it's a whole other story. The point being 
is that they had this mixed theology as well. They, they actually had this, this concept of the Pentateuch or the first five books, the books that Moses wrote. And, and as they had their own version of it. And so they, they worshiped differently than, than, than the other Israelites or Judah. Uh, they they worshiped completely. They're, they're so different that they become an outcast. And, and, and as a result of that, it's a huge tension between Israel and Samaria. If you wanted to be mean and swear at somebody, if you're a Jew, you would just simply call them a Samaritan. Well, you low, good, no good Samaritan, you. Those were fighting words, man. I'm telling you what, it was ugly. So, again, remember where we're at here. We have Philip, one of the, one of the seven here. He's in Samaria, and he's preaching away. And as a result of his preaching and his declaring of the good news, there's this power and demonstration of the word. You literally have revival that's breaking out in this land. People are joyous. Lives are being healed. Things are being turned around and turned upside down. And then this. Take a look at verse 13. Then Simon, the sorcerer, the, the great man of God. Uh, Simon himself also what? Didn't say that Simon said he believed. It says here, Simon himself believed. I want you to treat that lightly. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazed seeing the miracles and the signs that were done. Now, you've got to remember where, where, where Simon's coming from. He is seeing his world rocked. I mean, he's a, he's a Samaritan. He's been a practicer of sorcery. His, his little history, where he comes from, all the past, all the issues, all the conniving. And, and now this message, this message of good news. And, 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 and that Jesus is alive. Je the, remember, Jesus had an impact on that area. Remember the Samaritan woman at the well? And the news that went forth from there, things began to happen. Things began to click. Things began to move. And, and as a result, Jesus had made an impact before. But now, wow, whoo, this message. The, and, and not only the message that Jesus is alive, but the power and the demonstration that comes with it. And as a result, Simon believed. So now we move into our next shift. Take a look at it in verse 14. It says, now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that, the, that Samaria had received the word of God. Oh, man. They sent Peter and John to there. Two of them. They didn't send anybody. There are some implication and some political aspects because of the tension between the Samaritans and the Jews that they send Peter and John. If they send somebody else, a lot of uproar, a lot of questioning, a lot of accusing. Send Peter and John, the two big guys there, you're not going to have any of that stuff. But who, when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet, he had not fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them, 
and they receive the Holy Spirit. Something very real is taking place. And notice that it said, then they laid hands on them. They laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Laid hands on them. Wow. Now, I'll just say it here. God is doing something. He's always doing something. It's whether we're aware, got our eyes open, looking for, but he's always doing something. They laid hands on him. Now, laying hands happens in several places in the scripture in reference to receiving the Holy Spirit. But at the same time, you don't have the laying on of hands, for example, at Cornelius' house and other references there within Scripture. The reason I bring that up, don't make this a formula. That, that's what I'm saying. What I'm saying is it's, it's not about a formula. It's about God doing something, pouring out his promise, pouring out his gift. This is about receiving, not formulas. There's something happening here that we need to see. What would make the reality of this, the disciples coming, the apostles coming, and actually laying hands on them to receive the Holy Spirit? Well, take a look at verse 18 here. It says, And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Spirit was given. Now, now, now read that. Just, just don't glance through it. Hear what Luke is saying in this passage. When Simon did what? He saw. What does he see? He saw something happen when the apostles laid hands and, and the Holy Spirit was given. And what's his reaction? He offers them some money. Some money. Now, it goes on to say, <laughs> give, give me this power also that anyone on whom I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Now, this, this really made me wonder, and, and I'll tell you why, since you asked. I mean, I mean, here's my thing. When, when Philip is going around preaching, and the lame are walking, and the blind are seeing, and demons are coming out, and things are just exploding all around, why didn't Simon offer him some money? Why, why didn't Simon say, hey, hey, Philip, show me how you do that. How much you want? I'll pay you anything. You know, just, just show me how you do that. And you, you get those people with these laces that stand up so often and they can hear and see and talk and demons just ah, coming out of all this stuff. I mean, much but see something's different here something is different that he didn't see with Philip but he sees with Peter and John and what he saw with Philip and what he sees with Peter and John reveal two entirely different concepts say that word with me concepts say it one more time Concepts. Listen. He believed. That's what the scripture says. Amen? He believed. Is he saved? 
turn to your neighbor and tell them, we are not to judge. We don't judge whether someone is saved or not saved. My goodness, somebody die and make you God? There's no way you can judge a person's salvation. I'm sorry. Only one can do that. He happens to sit upon the everlasting throne. However, you will know a person by their fruits. You will know a person by their fruits. <coughs> Excuse me. What scares me, here is someone with a concept of God. He believes, but his belief is based on a concept which is a concept of hell, not the heart. I want to read you a portion of scripture that's found in the Amplified Version. And I can see I don't have this here. Thank you. I'm going to read it from here. For with the heart, you know this verse. That's why I'm showing it to the Amplified. For with the heart, a person believes adheres to, trusts in, and relies on Christ, and so is justified, declared righteous, acceptable to God. And with the mouth, he confesses, he declares openly and speaks out freely his faith and confirms his salvation. Whoa. Do you, do you, do you get that whole verse? It's Romans 10. I mean, believes in his heart and confesses with the mouth, he shall be saved. This is what the actual verbology is saying in Romans 10.10. It's taking all the meanings of those words and putting them all together so you can see the fullness of this word in a version called the Amplified Bible. And it says, for with the heart a person believes, adheres to, trusts in, and so is justified, declared righteous, acceptable to God. Okay, understand that point. It's talking about going from the heart to the what? Mouth. From the heart to the mouth. Friend, do you realize that what you say has everything to do with what's inside of you? Because some of you are pretty nasty. If you don't believe me, ask the person sitting next to you. As you notice, I'm not sitting next to anybody. Yet... My thing is this, and, and you've heard me say this over and over, and I will never tire of saying this. Friend, whatever is your belief system, however it got there, whatever influenced you to believe the way you believe, you believe the way you believe. And as a result of that, you think the way you think. That affects your thinking. And your thinking then affects your choices. And your choices always affect your actions which includes your talking. The words you say that come out of your mouth have come from that which you have been thinking and what you've been thinking has derived from what's down here and come up to here. And what's in here has come as a result of your beliefs and how you believe. 
whether you like that or not. That's why in just a few minutes, Peter's going to talk to him about being full of the gall or the poison of bitterness. concept of the head, not of the heart. Listen, when Solomon, when Solomon, I need another drink of that water. When Simon saw, that's what it says in verse 18, when Simon saw what he saw, this is important to get this, what he saw was those who received the gift of the Holy Spirit with tongues. What Simon saw, Simon saw power transferred to others. That's what he saw. He saw power transferred to others, so he was determined to get this new power. Get him on him. Give me this power that I can lay hands and see a physical power manifest. Let me tell you what a head set what a head, let me tell you what a head concept of Christ of God does, okay? Let me tell you what a head concept of Christ does. And that and then it seeks to use God instead of being used of God. And if you don't think about that long and hard. I'm going to give up preaching because it ain't worth it. My heart is to bring us to understand. This is not an easy thing to come to terms with, but so many believers are living from this place of, well, I'm not bad like Simon. It doesn't matter. What came out of Simon was because of a concept that was stuck up here concept of what he viewed, of what he ratified, what he logically looked at, what he continued to walk through. And, and, and I'll say this again, it seeks to use God instead of being used of God. Do, 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 do you remember what Peter said, though, as a result of this? Listen, and, and again, this is from the Amplified. I want you to really get the depth of this. It's in verse 20. It says, but Peter said to him, Destruction overtakes your mind and you because you imagine. That's all I said. You imagine you could obtain the free gift of God with money. You have neither part nor lot in this matter, for your heart is all wrong in God's sight. It is not straightforward or right or true before God. So repent of this depravity and wickedness of yours and pay, pray to the Lord that if possible this contriving thought and purpose of your hearts. He's telling them where the thoughts are coming from. He's telling them what the result of that speech or his actions is coming from as his thoughts have come forth out of where his heart is. It says contriving thought and purpose of your heart may be removed and disregarded and forgiven you. For I see 
that you are in the gall of bitterness and in a bond forged by iniquity to fetter souls. Simon answered, pray for me. Beseech the Lord, both of you, that nothing of what you have said may, may befall me. Oh, I'm not going to get into that. Friends, take a look at what's happening. Something is going on. There's a reason that this was put into the accounts from Luke as led by the Holy Spirit. I'm sure there were a lot of other stories taking place in a lot of other cities. They were scattered all over the region in Judea and Samaria. But for some reason, the Holy Spirit zeroes in on this for Luke to take account of and for us to have a history of because God's saying something in this. God is doing something in this that we need to be aware of in this day and in this hour like never before. So let's not kid ourselves as we call ourselves the church. Let me just say it this way. For him, in verse 20, destruction overtake your money and you. It's all about the money this time. It, 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 see if it sounds familiar. It's all about, you know, buying it or, or, or earning it or being good enough. You know, how many know you can't buy what's free? Kind of hard to do that. My, my, my issue with this is, is, is here's something that his concept in his head, and it's mixed in with all the other concepts that he's walked through, that he's lived in, and, and from the era of sorcery and from the other aspects of trickery that he has done, and he's mixing that all together, and it only makes sense. I mean, why did the Israelites make a molten calf and call it God? got quiet real quick, but it was for the same purpose. That's what they were used to. And that's a whole other message. I'll get into that another time. But what I'm saying here is, friends, he's trying, <laughs> for, for the importance to Simon is the money here. Now, now no, notice what it's talking about in, 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 in verse 21 when he says, you have neither part nor lot in this manner, for your heart is all wrong in God's sight. Look, 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 look. It ain't, ain't nothing here for you, Simon. Excuse my English. There's nothing in this experience. There's nothing in this relationship with you, for you, Simon. There's nothing concerning the power of the Holy Spirit for you. Why? Because your heart is wrong. Not in the church's sight. Not in the pastor's sight. It's not in your parents' sight. Or whoever it might be. Your heart is all wrong in God's sight. What do you believe? Your heart is all wrong in God's sight. So what does Peter say? Look at it in verse 22. He says, so repent. 
so repent of this depravity. So forth. Repent. You all know what repent means, right? For one thing, it means to agree with what God is saying rather than what I'm saying. And for me to do that, yes, it's a 180 degree turn. It's turning to a different direction. It's going from the direction I've been headed in into the opposite direction where God is. Turn around or you'll miss what's right in front of you is what I've always said. Because the kingdom of God is at hand. He's saying to him, repent. And then he goes on to this statement. He, he says, uh, you, you know, so repent, uh, of, of, so repent of this depravity and wickedness of yours and pray to the Lord if possible, this contriving thought and purpose of your heart may be removed. Contriving thought and purpose of your heart. It's the thoughts of your heart. It's the thoughts of your heart. I want to be very cautious in what I say. But it scares me what's in a lot of people's It is a divided heart in so many ways, and I'll tell you what, God's percentage is very small. There's a lot of other aspects. And, 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 and notice, he, he says, he says, contriving thought and purpose of your heart. He's telling them, you, you know, it, it, your, your heart is not straightforward. It's, it's a, a right or true before God. It's not, your heart is not, it's not, it's all wrong in God's sight. But, but, but Simon went around and, 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 and believed and got baptized and followed Philip all over the place going, ooh, wow, oh, praise the Lord, oh, God's good. But then he experienced something that brought out his true thought. true heart was nothing less than a true thought, which included a lot of other concepts, I might say. Can I say something to you here today? I believe that his plan is no different to, than, than this, that Simon's plan was no different than a lot of other people today. Why am I saying that? Because how, how we use God is totally up to us. What is it, what, what, what's true for me today? What, what fruit do we produce? What, you know, what, what, what are your actions? What's your behavior? I mean, whatever your behavior is, is giving me, whatever your words are producing, what you're showing me is you're revealing your heart. You ever go around anybody who, last thing you want to mention, 
there's a, there's a name like Biden. Thank God they all split my head right now. <coughs> you mention one name and you're stuck for the next hour and a half. And the venom that comes out, where's it coming from? I can talk about politics just as much as the next guy. But it's not about the debate. It's, it's come on, Sam. Let's let's be real. Talk about a family. Oh God, this is amazing. Blah blah blah. Oh, that's a Christian. How can there be room in there for God? And that's what's in there for God. Is God as a man thinketh in his heart? Thank you very much. How can there be room? How can how can God coexist with anything? It doesn't happen. So we get full of this goal of, of, of bitterness, is, is what what Peter says. And 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 he continues to talk about being forced by the iniquity or bound. We're, we're in bondage, bound by, by bondage, iniquity. Iniquity. How many know what iniquity is? Not a bad dish, folks, that's for sure. Iniquity. Think about it a second. Friend, anytime you run into trespasses or iniquity, it is always about an independence away from God. It's walking in your own strength and your own way of thinking. So we forge God into our patterns of thinking because we have a, what, concept of God so it's all about using God for God to behave a certain way, for God to have certain characteristics, for God to do something that we're looking at doing because that's his nature, that's who he is, that's who he should be, that's what he's all about. And so when, when he doesn't act according to our concept, what happens? And the bitterness... And the bondage raises up. And we come against what really is because of what we think it's supposed to be. Our concept robs us, blinds us. We don't learn to love him or conquer him. We haven't made the 180 degree turn to see things as God sees them. We believe we, 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 we believe yeah this what identifies a head concept is a right heart right and that means your life is either in a struggle or a rest what identifies a head concept versus right uh, versus a right heart what is it that differentiates the point that you have, uh, you know, a concept of God, 
versus the right heart. I'll tell you what it is. It's whether your life is either a struggle or a rest with God. Amen, Pastor. That was a good one. I loved it. It was wonderful. Tell your neighbor, Bob, Bob's giving you a rib there. That was good, wasn't it? It, it, it? You have to deal with it, folks. I'm not here to play games. I'm not here to be nicey-nice. I'm not, I'm not here to tell you how you could, you know. Uh, I'm here to tell you that if you're struggling, you're definitely not at rest. Now, this doesn't mean that you can't have, you know, if, if I, can, I, I, can, I can have something happen, something going on, and I get a knot in my stomach. How many people know I'm old? God bless the three of you. And to the rest, well, I'm at the age now where I can actually apply for Social Security. So I applied. A week later, I get a letter. Denied. Oh, man. That began to get me. Why did they deny me? What have I done? What's the name? Do right to request the application. You know how that feels to somebody? You just feel it inside. It's like, oh, it's a piece of your heart. Okay. Something will either be fixed. Well, God's taken care of me so far. What makes me think He's not going to take care of me later? Just go back and rest. Hebrews, yes, you, you need to get that book there and read it about the presence of God. You'll understand what I'm talking about. Found out what the problem was with Social Security. Don't worry about that. I'm going to be rolling in money any day now. <laughs> Your life is either in a struggle or a rest with God. And that's because of what identifies a head concept versus a right heart. personal thing. It's not a beat you up kind of thing that I'm trying to bring to you. I'm not after beating people up. I believe that Christ wants to set the captive free. But I want you to take a look at how Simon responds. Because I'm not wanting you to kid yourself with this one. Look at what it says. It says, then Simon answered and said, pray to the Lord for me that none of these things which you have spoken may come upon me. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Look what he says. Pray for me. Pray to the Lord for me that none of these things which you have spoken may come upon me. What things is he talking about? My destruction of money. Please pray that that won't happen. My money will be destroyed. Please don't tell. Please. What did Peter say? Repent. He talked to him about his heart. There's not one word of repentance. Regret. 
Obviously, there's no other history in the scriptures concerning Simon. That doesn't mean there's not history in history books that tell us about Simon. Simon will leave from there and go to Rome. He'll meet this priestess named Helen, who was a was a prostitute for the religion. You want to know who Simon Magus becomes? He becomes the founder of Gnosticism. And if you're not familiar with Gnosticism, I'm not going to go into all that right now. Google it or something. It is about as wacky as the day is long. It has the belief of God, but please, it doesn't go much further. It is really weird. He founded Gnosticism. He created a God that fit his religion. He used God instead of God using him. God, I need you to fix my situation. I need you to do this in my life. I need you to take care of that. And my question is, you're ticked off. You're angry. You got things going on. You're not happy with so and so. They wronged you. They hurt you. They called you a Samaritan. It's called bitterness. by iniquity. It produced in Simon a legacy of Gnosticism that would eventually even make its way into the church that Paul would have to why we have some of the letters come from the epistles to deal straight up with that. But that disposition, that issue is, yeah, you got that. So what do we do? We create God in our own image. We have a concept of God. And then we build on that concept that God should be this and God should be that. God should be this, and God should be that, and God should be happening here, and God should be healing there, and God should be taking there, and God should be taking them down, and God should be wiping them off the face of the earth. God should be putting some guilt in their hearts. Why doesn't God do something? Because the God you've created doesn't work that way. Whoa, hey, hey. He doesn't. God we created is supposed to. So we'll build our own Gnosticism our way. So if God doesn't work in the way I'm looking for him to work, I'll create God that will work in the way that I need him to work. How's that working for you? But here's my problem. 
and I'm going to end it with this. Otherwise, it's going to be two o'clock by the time we're done here. And everybody said, "Yes, it is." Mm -hmm. Here's what I'm saying, friend. Paul talks about this during the series that we're called the Communion. Let a man examine himself. It doesn't mean morbid curiosity. But honestly, honestly, are we living a life of Christ? That equals to nothing more than struggle. I have a hard time with that church. Well, I have a hard time with this person. I have a hard time with my boss. I have a hard time with it. <sighs> they shall know that we are Christians by our love one for another. When we have concepts say that that other struggles I'm not saying concept is wrong please don't get me there yeah, yeah. There, there's 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 a reality about Freud's concept Freud, as it is but our problem is when we're all we've got is a concept of God we've got something that is as empty and as dry and as dead as the day is long we are not convicted over sin it doesn't bother us anymore. What we would have been appalled two years ago, we stand there and watch with full vision, whether it be everything from homosexuality to that of, of adultery. And, and, and I can go into a lot of junk. We just sit there and watch. Oh, well, it's not that bad. It's, it's, it's just the way the world is now. No, it's not about the world. It's about his kingdom. And that concept will bring us into a struggle and a fall. And, and, and please hear. hear. Hear if you would. Would you take it back to 18? Hear what Peter's saying. Just, just, just come up a couple. Uh, next one. Sorry. I thought you were all together. Next one, please. And next one. <laughs> You're going back the wrong way. Sorry. Ah, Peter said to him, destruction overtake your money. You know what that money represents? Whatever your priority in life is. Where your money goes. Where your time goes. It's your priority. He says, he says, he said, the destruction will overtake your money and you because you imagine you could obtain the free gift of God's money. You think you can do what you're doing with priorities that you have with the simple concept of what you have with God. And if you just do the right things and do the right thing, make sure you show up to church on Sundays, you know, fulfill your obligation, put your money in, your, in, in, in the old bag that comes across, you know, Make sure everybody sees it when you go like this. And, you know, and just, just it, whenever you do those things to obtain, 
give you a because what you're dealing with is guilt. You're dealing with whatever you want to call it. It's, it's a concept. And I'm here to tell you the church is going to be broken because of something called a concept. Now, I hear God saying, you have neither part nor lot in this matter, for your heart is all wrong in God's sight. It's not straightforward. It's not right or true before God. It's not right or true before God. It's not right or true before God. So he calls his house, his people, to repent, not go through emotion, not do something because it's the right thing to do. I told you this is ask me to pray. God's looking for you to pray. He didn't even do that. He said, pray for me. Simon, you pray. Let's pray. Would you stand with me this morning? verse 24 one more time pray to the Lord for this is there repentance no all I have is concern all I have is concern if all you have here this morning is concern or not conviction your concern will take you to a place of Gnosticism where conviction will take you to blame. Now, if you're here in this place this morning, I understand this might be a little tough as far as the message is concerned, but I'm here to tell you that what Philip shared, the good followed in power and demonstration is for you this morning. Well, who has it ever served God being honored, being this, accepted by Him? And I'll say it to you again. It's not about you. That's why you rest. You receive, not try to achieve. And this morning in this place, He's here. You know what I'm going to do this morning? I'm going to take a risk. I'm going to invite this house, myself included, to find that place this morning. And really, really let God speak. Let Him convict you. 
what? Of my unbelief. Well, I thought you were a believer. Well, you know, there might be some areas in my life I have concept. Because in those areas, I use God instead of being used by God. Because I'll tell them when I think it's right. I used to love it when people would use scripture on me. Pull that puppy right out of there and boom, boom, boom. And I've since learned it's them that you need. What I desire is for his Holy Spirit to convict me, grow me, use me. Watched it movie this past week on Amazon called Faith Christ. And they had this one little saying that was being used, a couple that were being saved, and, and it, was, it was the phrase, believe, receive, and come. Believe, receive, Believe, receive, come. Receive, believe, receive. So this morning, if you're in this place, you don't have a relationship with him, I invite you to believe, receive, and become. If you're a believer in this house this morning, and the truth of the matter is, we got some issues. God's dealing with us. We have a concept. He's saying, hey, believe, receive, become. So this morning as the worship team sings this chorus, come to the altar. I want to open these altars. I want to invite you to find that place of prayer around these by yourself, get alone, doesn't matter. If you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, this is a time to walk out and to join with others and receive. Because you believe and become. I'm not going to go into any big spiel. I'm just simply going to say, worship team, let's worship. And I want to invite you to come and let's find that place of prayer around these altars this morning.